Hello and welcome again to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. I'm getting used to actually saying the name now, Sarah. It sounds quite impressive. <laughs> You'll even say it in an accent that other people can understand. <laughs> Well, that's all I've got to offer. Um, and because we record in the mornings in my time, I, I tend not to be uh, drinking, so I really don't have much more to add. Uh, but you've been you've been holding up the team, I, I hear. Had a, a glass or two of wine this evening, yes? I have had a glass of incredibly cheap wine, so I am even more rambling than normal. Excellent. Well, in that case... <laughs> Let's let's get to it. Um, I want a quick update on what I think is the sexiest named race in the sport of cycling, the Durango Durango. You know what? It's Durango Durango and Macamine Saria. And how cool is that? It's a lovely, lovely name. It is the best so, name. It, but the weird thing is I get this competing set of mental images every time I hear it. <laughs> On on the really not sexy level, for some reason, I have like a Pavlovian flash of a bowl of Dorito corn chips. That's weird. That's really weird. And then I have I a thing where I'm pretty certain there's a car in the US that's named the Durango. I want to say Dodge Durango, but I don't even know if that's actually a thing. And then the third thing is, and fortunately it goes in this order, so sequentially I'm left with the sexy image last, which is like a really, really raunchy tango. And then I'm happy, so... See, you're lucky because all I get when I hear it is Duran Duran and her name is Rio, which is currently playing on an advert in Britain at the moment. And so, yeah, so I'm just doomed because I hear Durango Durango and all I can see is people in um, cycling in new romantic gear. Well, after we've um, set such a low, low bar for mental imagery of the race, hopefully the race <laughs> itself will be uh, much more stimulating and entertaining. Yeah, it was. I mean, the thing is, is it, it's a bit of a sad weekend this weekend because we should have had the GP Valladolid, which is a World Cup race in the Spanish round of the World Cup, and it's gone. And I can rant for hours about the World Cup and how we keep losing races and how annoying it is, but, you know... That's actually our first off-season episode. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Our first off-season episode should be comparing what the calendar was like at the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Because it's been really weird, but you know, at least we've had races out of this year. It's not all bad. Well, we so can Durango do we can do fake reviews of all the races that didn't happen. <laughs> that would be awesome. I could, they're going to be much more exciting as well. So Durango, Durango. It's um, it it was it, it's one of those races where sometimes you're on the internet and you're watching them through Twitter, and it sounds super exciting, and then you realise that like for the first hour, nothing happened. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't really paid attention, but anyway. They do a load of laps of the city and then they hit the mountains and we're in the Basque country, yeah? Mm. And um, basically what seemed to happen within the last 40, 50 kilometres was Emma Pooley from At A Drink Leontian attacked. And Emma Pooley, I mean, she's this amazing character. I don't know if I've done my Pooley ramps, how much I love her. In her spare time, she does a, uh, a really complicated PhD in kind of geotechnical engineering or something. Awesome. She's super intelligent. She's amazing. Like, that's her spare time thing. Well, it, it, it actually ties into a theory I have, which is that um, she's not racing um, to win bike races. She's actually doing geological surveys around the world <laughs> from her bike, uh, looking for mineral deposits. I think you're right. And she's she's really funny because she's only five foot. So whenever she's on a bike, she sometimes can look as if when she's next to some of the taller riders, she can look like she's like, you know, a little kid riding along with them. And she has this really upright pose. And she just has this one facial expression, it seems, where she doesn't look like she's any pain. 
and she's got this very upright riding skill, and suddenly she just goes rah, like no looking like there's any effect at all. She's brilliant. If, if she was a be- if she had a beard, she would fit the traditional notion of a dwarf. Uh, <laughs> you know, she's interested just- in geological formations, mining, short, stoic. <laughs> Yeah, she comes from um, she comes from like this really flat part of England as well. It's like you're like, how can Emma Pooney be so good at climbing? Because there aren't even any hills in Norfolk. It's complete <laughs> nonsense. It's marvelous. Anyway, um, so Emma, she attacks. What can you do? Emma's gone. Yeah, and she's chased by this group, which includes Judith Arndt. It includes Emma Johansson. Um, it's got uh, Ellen Van Dyke from uh, Specialised in it. It's got all these amazing riders in mm-hmm. it. Uh, Ash Norman from Lotto, Claudia Hauschler from Tiffany Cromwell from Green Edge. You know, there's like this group of, uh, oh, I don't know, 15 riders chasing her, something like that, and they can't catch her. It's just she's gone. She's gone, gone, gone. And um, so she wins. Hurrah, Emma Pooley. And Emma's had a really hard time cycling, I think, because, I mean, she broke her collarbone last year, but she had this thing that she said in an interview where a lot of the races she wins, fold. Ah. <laughs> I've heard of again. It's not Emma. It's not Emma's fault at all, but that she's a climber, and a lot of the climbing races have gone from the women's calendar. So this is the first one that she's won this year, and it's just, oh, Emma, just, you know, we need some more of these uphill time trials races for her because she's fantastic. But, you know, so she, her first big win of the year, we love you, Emma. Um, so leading in the group. Is that your new um, position for when you become overlord of the UCI that um, will c- construct a race for each of your favourite riders? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, I'll, I'll come on to it. And, I mean, a Macamine Beera used to be like that because it's a race that has an uphill an uphill time trial, yep. an uphill mountain time trial in the Basque, Basque country. Yep. That's the race that starts next, this week, and it's, you know, great. But, yeah, it would be, I'd basically have a race. When when it's the um, <laughs> when it's the Giro de P- the Pigeons or the Welter Pigeons, <laughs> it's going to be all uphill time trials, <laughs> mountain stages, climbing, um, and stages that basically basically have really really killer loops that Emma, you know with lots of places for emma to attack on oh she's beautiful right one day you have to watch you, you're gonna a, rename all the climbs aren't you you know and, and instead of 200 meters to the finish it'll be a big sign saying emma attack now <laughs> and yeah and then there'll be one which is the vosberg and you know, yeah, I mean, you know i've got about 100 favorite riders so yes i'll be just des- when i when i win that multi-million prize i'll be designing my 100 races with all of them in mind well, well, <laughs> And, and that's that's the thing that makes it absolutely fair is, you know, everyone will get a race. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so Emma's won that race. It's fantastic. Yep. Brilliant. Um, behind her, Charlotte Becker came in for Specialised Lululemon. Oh, I love Charlotte Becker. She's great. And Judith Arndt in third place. And Lizzie Armitstead, who's Emma Pooley's teammate, um, mm. came fourth. So Lizzie had after the race this tweet about how she how she wanted to come better than fourth in the you know for, for, in the bunch yep. sprints but there had been a couple of mountains in the way <laughs> it's a sprint. Uh, yeah they're, but, ha- they're hard to sprint over it's yeah yeah i mean but lizzie lizzie does it well but she said that R R had had a plan and really really in the last couple of weeks R have had these plans that have just worked um carla ryan won a race in the netherlands obviously there's been the sharon laws um attacking and mm-hmm. doing really well in the last couple of races and it just seems that our drink have worked out how to run their team. They're half, they, they came about with this big batch of riders who came over when Garmin dropped them viciously. Uh, and and uh, saved them, basically. You know, they were dropped 
at the last minute. It was dreadful. And they were riding on uh-uh. But it was looking, how would this team work? Because they've got all these Dutch stars, like Lucinda yep. Branch, um, uh, Chantal Blark. They've got three sprinters now with Kirsten Beald, Lizzie Armistead, and Shelley Olds. And you're like, well, how does that work? Because that's like having, um, you know, Mark Cavendish, Torhoshoft, and yeah. I don't know, um, Matt Goss all on the same team. You know what I mean? Yeah, it seems yeah. a bit weird. But they just, it's just cracked it. And I hope, I mean, I want everyone to win. But it would be quite nice to see RR um, win the Giro. Um, but yes, even though I want everyone else to win the Giro as well, rather than <laughs> green. Well, I tell you what, how about we just run it every week until everyone's won one? That's a brilliant plan. So, yeah, so that was Durango. And all those riders who were there, they now start the race um, tomorrow, the the Basque stage race, the the Amakamine Beera, which I'm reliably informed, translates as women's race. Um, I'd tell you what we were expecting the Amakamine Bureau, but it's got one of those websites where they just don't care. <laughs> you know, no, there's like no, nothing about the who's riding, nothing about who's, um, what, what the stages look like, how many stages there are. Um, I'm assuming it's, I'm assuming it's four stages, seventh to the tenth. It, you, this is the one that used to have the uphill mountain time trial yep. in the morning, and then in the afternoon they'd make them ride a road race. <laughs> As, as you do. Uh, I, mean, I just, you know, when people go women's cycling isn't as tough as men's cycling. It's like they don't do that in the Dauphiné. <laughs> they should, though. They should. Yeah. That would be I mean, awesome. the, other race, the other big race this week was the Philadelphia Classic. And yes. this is my... Oh, if I could go to one race in the States, it would be the Philly Classic. And you've been there, haven't you? You've been to Philly. I've been to Philly. I haven't been to the Classic. I would love to go to the Classic. Although I have to admit, I'm less excited now that they've um, put in severe alcohol restrictions on certain parts of the course. (laughs) You know you're going through a good neighbourhood when they put severe alcohol restrictions on certain parts of the course. Well, I mean, the Philly, the Philly Classic is a weird one, isn't it? Because it has that great climb. I can't say the word, so I apologise, uh, Manayunk Hill, I think it is, but I could be Hall? But it's, it's called The Wall. Everyone calls it The Wall. They've got The Wall. <laughs> They've got The Wall on the lap, but it always comes down to a sprint. And um, it's basically mostly been won by Germans. Uh, Petra Rosner won it, like, loads of times. And I don't know if an American's ever won it. But this year, it came down to a bunch sprint. And Ina Yoko Tutenberg was in the bunch. <laughs> <laughs> and Ina has won it four times in the past. Yeah, so um, and she's, she's on track to, um, to have been the rider to win most, I think. Yeah, Pet- Petra Rosen has won it seven yes. times. Ina's won it um, five times. I think it's been run 16 times or something yeah. in total. <laughs> and, and I do think you're right. From from recollection, and I was chatting with someone about it during the week, um, I don't think an American's ever won it. So mm. that's pretty amazing. Yeah. But it's, it's also I mean, a credit to the race that, you know, they're drawing top international talent and so on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and Ina, I mean, I laugh at that Ina winning it all the time, but she doesn't have it easy. Mm. It's a, it's still a really hard sprint. And, mm. and in second place was Rochelle Gilmore, Australian Rochelle Gilmore, who's just coming into a great burst of form. And in third place was Georgia Bronzini, who's been yep. a world champion for the last two years. And I think Rochelle had this um, had the tweet of the podium and she was saying afterwards that, you know, she came behind the strongest sprinter in the world and in front of the fastest sprinter in the world, so she didn't feel too bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. That's not bad and at I'm all. Pro- 
Um, and, and I did like actually the flood on on Twitter afterwards. Um, you know, the riders saying what a fun race it was, um, and that the crowds were awesome and that sort of thing. It's always really good to to hear and see those sorts of uh, responses. And uh, just a reminder to everyone then that if you are anywhere near a race. It does make a hell of a difference to the riders if you can get out on the road and, and cheer, make some noise. Yeah, I think I've told you before, but we were we went we were at the world in Copenhagen and we we're grinning at people, you know, shouting at people, mm. and we had people on Twitter and saying afterwards, "I saw you," <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, saying that actually, especially in circuit races, once you kind of get to know where people are, mm. it really a difference and you know i just wish i could go to more races really and shout my head off (laughs) (laughs) every rider (laughs) it is a slight problem i mean i'm I'm, i've got quite bad eyesight so you kind of have this terrible thing where you it takes you quite a while to clock who it was so as they're going up the road you go sharon (laughs) you generally recognize mariana voss but oh i love you all I'm really rubbish. I'm a rubbish fan. I should be much more British about it and have only one rider till I die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was last week's. That was last week's racing, and I think quite a lot of the riders have got on the. I think I mean Teutenberg, 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 Teutenberg's got on the plane and coming back to ride the (laughs) Nakamine Beera. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, it's lovely. So Basque racing this week. and, and massive thanks, actually, to all the riders, because so much of what we find out about these races come through Twitter, yeah? Yeah. And this, it's why I will always love Liz Hatch, yeah? Liz, Liz Hatch, for years, it was just Liz Hatch on Twitter and Vicky Whitelaw, the Australian cyclist who retired last year, who, who blogged Vicky's blogs and Liz's tweets, yeah? Mm. And we find out so much about these races, and they sound so much fun. And there's a guy called Richie Steeg, Steege, S-T, his, his Twitter name is Richie Steege, R-I-C-H-I-E-S-T-E-E-G-E. And he's a mechanic from the Team Dolman's Bowls. And he's currently the guy to go to for all the updates. So he's tweet- there he is sitting in the back of the car, mechanicking around and tweeting updates on the race. <laughs> and he's fantastic. And it just gives us an insight into it. There are still issues about how the mainstream media may not cover women's cycling in the way that they cover men's cycling. But if you're looking at social media, the women are so good at it. And it really helps that so many of them are articulate, they're intelligent, they may have had a great education, they may not have done, but they're still articulate and they're engaging. And we just find out so much about it that makes, you know, that's one of the reasons I love following it. So that's my little plug. Thank you, riders, for keeping us updated. We love it. <laughs> well, I, I actually think it's... it's um a good indicator of where the future of the sport needs to move anyway. Uh, you know, there's a lot that happens in women's cycling, as you say, through um, particularly a medium like Twitter, uh, organically, mostly because, you know, there is no other mechanism. Um, yeah, yeah. But as a result, you get these really sort of very personal sort of seeming interactions and, um, and um, insights into the lives and the the prep for races and and then tactics and stuff that you know for fans you know you just love that you'll eat it up every time Um, yeah yeah mm. yeah and 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 like miranda breeze had a i can't say the word i can't say that i'm really sorry dutch if you're listening and you're dutch they were riding the omloop van der eijadelta (laughs) i should have said that faster (laughs) um Marine was she was she was blogging about how um, she was she, there. She is in the lead. She's in the lead. She's in the lead. She's in the lead. 
and she's misdirected down the wrong road. Mm. You know what I mean? And she, when she comes in, they're like, where the fuck did you go? Yes, I was misdirected. And this happens like, yeah. every year to some, of the, to some of the women's races, you know? Yep, yep. But you're reading this. Um, I mean, Marine's blogs are just amazing for it. She's, I mean, she comes, she's a journalist by trade, you yeah. know, and worked in TV and before she became a, a cyclist. So she knows how to spin a good story. But it's just so interesting, and it really keeps me hooked. It keeps me loving it. So, yeah. And I do think that women's cycling is an example of one of those sports where it has a bigger presence on the social media and fans and people who love it than it does on the mainstream media. And that's, you know, it's a good thing. I just wish we could translate that to getting them TV time and getting them money and la 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 and all that stuff. But, you know, people love it. <laughs> it they do. They do. And don't worry, you know, TV's going away anyway, I heard. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I wouldn't stress. Um, before i get into a a media and the shifting patterns of uh delivery formats and really boring (laughs) technical talk let's let's move on to something fun (laughs) all right are you ready are you ready for my crazy idea of the week (laughs) i'm ready (laughs) all right I actually, I actually have two crazy ideas this week, which is kind of... Have you been thinking? No, no, I just, one of them I came up with just a second ago and I wanted to work in a joke, so... Oh, um, that's okay. Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. So let's go with the first main crazy idea, which is, um, I, I've been thinking a lot this last week, uh, you know, my crazy idea last week was very much focused on how to sort of incentivize getting a minimum wage sort of thing going on in, in the top tier of the sport. Uh, this last week, I've been thinking a lot more about how I, I believe the sport needs stability before it needs growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important, at least at the, the top tier. And I, um, ironically enough, I actually think in the women's side of cycling that we could benefit from something similar to, you know, Jonathan Vorter's ideal situation where teams get offered franchise deals and blah, blah, blah. But I'm not going down that path just yet. What I was thinking, and my crazy idea for the week, is uh, that as the UCI, because, you know, we are the UCI in this particular example, we dictate that in order for a men's team to get world tour status they have to be sponsored by a women's team oh interesting so the so, men's t- the men's team now have to assist with whatever it is that the women's team want whether that's logistical support helping them find their own sponsor um throwing in some cash or whatever but they have to have the endorsement of a licensed top tier professional women's team in order to hold and maintain their own license oh you see i've got this I agree with that. I think I agree with that. I've had this theory about races, yeah? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's this long, ongoing debate about should all men's races have a women's race? And I think that to be a world tour race, all men's races should either hold a women's race or be partnered with a really big, a proper women's race. Yeah. So, for example, the Giro could partner with the Giro Don and the Trofeo Binder, which is one of my favourite races in the world, could partner with Milan San Remo. Uh-huh. And, so there are some races that have both women and men's races like um, Flesh Wallon and Ronda van Vlaanderen and Plouet and Drenthe. 
but other races could go actually you're a good race we're a good race let's just be partners exactly and and that's the key thing i think here is that you know this way you don't have garmin going oh we can't possibly run two teams well fuck it you don't have to but you have to have the endorsement of a women's team in order to be a professional men's team which means you you have to have partnered up in some way so and and obviously, because everyone would want to partner with, for example, Specialized Lululemon or, exactly. or, or Green Edge, then they'd be like, shit, then you'd actually have a bidding, bit of a bidding war. Now, interestingly, what the, UC, the UCI have done some actually quite good things. Um, in Cyclocross, for example. Hang if on, you want hang to, on. I what? know. I know, it's out of character, but, you know, one, one glass of wine and look what happens. Well, yeah, um, no, I guess, you know, as they say, the broken clock's right, right twice a day, so... <laughs> no, but they, they've done they've done two things. One thing, I mean, and cyclocross is different. Cyclocross is more like track because you're having on a fixed track, and it's really easy to televise and it's lovely. But they said if you want to be a category one race, you have to have a women's race. And in mountain biking, what they did is they said, well, you know, you don't have to have a women's team. But I think it was from the 2010 season. What they were going to do is for the team competition, they took it on. I think it's the top three men and the top two women. Uh-huh. So you don't have to have a women's team. <laughs> it's just it helps. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately after that, Rabobank Giant Offroad signed up Katie Compton and another rider. And it's like this instant thing, you know. And then, I mean, Katie Compton's just left Rabo, but they've got Pauline Ferrand, they've got Pauline Ferrand Prevost, and they've got, you know, Mariana Voss. And it's just, it's just, it works nicely. It's saying you don't have to have it. You'll just suffer if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, that's that's the same basic principle, and uh, I think it's got merit. But uh, what's but your second idea? I was going to say we've actually, you know, we're we're awash in crazy ideas this week. So um, my Australia. second my second crazy idea is uh, that we bring on board a global airline partner for women's cycling, okay. right? And every fee that is charged to anyone in the world for transporting their bike goes back into women's racing because <laughs> when you have to spend you know like four million dollars to fly your fucking bike in a bike box from <laughs> philadelphia and, and, to new york um, yeah, yeah. you know and yeah and you don't have to spend it if you're carrying golf clubs for example but a bike is so much bigger or something yeah, yeah exactly now your only problem with this is <laughs> If you're following the women on Twitter, there is an awful lot of problems with the airlines. I think this week, Lizzie said again, was tweeting, has anyone got a bike in my size that I could use? Honestly, (laughs) I I, I swear there must come a point where it's just cheaper to, you know, get your bike sponsor to to put bikes in every city that you're going to be racing in for the year. (laughs) It's it's cheaper than flying them around. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And there was that Australian and, lad I mean, who had... Wait, we're talking race bikes here too. These are fucking <laughs> light bikes. Like, you can't even say the weight's in consideration. Not to mention well, which, you've got a far greater danger of your bike being seriously damaged by a baggage handler. In the, <laughs> in the beers, I'm not even making this up. In the beers, they're called throwers. That's what they do. They throw shit around. It's their job. You know, there's a great YouTube video, actually. Everyone, once you're done listening to this, I suggest that you go to YouTube and search the term United Breaks Guitars. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful song about a country musician. Yes, I know. Let's all just move on. 
Um, <laughs> who happens to look out the window of his, his plane while he's waiting on the tarmac to see the baggage handlers throwing his guitar. Jesus Christ. And when, when he lands at their uh, destination, pulls it out, and yes, it's in two parts. The beautiful part of the song is that he actually recorded the video playing the broken guitar. <laughs> The trouble is you couldn't really do the same with a bike. I mean, there's that poor Aussie lad who was charged like $200 or something to, 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 for, his, for his bike. And it's like people turn up at airports and they'll just make up the rules on the spot, won't they? It's like, yeah. it's, it's just, this is one of those things where it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, it's still hell on earth. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I got held up by a bike when I was driving to work this morning. You're paying 400 bucks, you fucker. I think it's more. I'm paid two. I'm paid two pounds fifty an hour. So fuck you. <laughs> By the way, this 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 gate's closed. <laughs> Go run somewhere else with your bike, bike boy. <laughs> Maliciousness. So yeah. So apart. So I do endorse your idea. Yeah. Apart. From I that, I do think that's actually the more crazy one in terms yeah. of realistic shot of it ever happening. Which, well, I think which so really bad. says a lot about the world that I think it's more likely that we'll actually be able to get to a point where the UCI says that for a men's team to have a license, they have to have the endorsement of a women's team. I consider that a more realistic outcome than an airline ever, ever giving up the money that they charge to fly bikes around. That's very true. You see, the way I think, I can see them doing it, but only if they triple the price of flying bikes around. <laughs> That's my risk, my dear. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, once Australia wins every track medal in the Olympics this year, maybe um, what's that? Qantas will do it. Ah, are you kidding? So, I'm um, speaking of the Olympics. We've had our first team announced, yeah, and it was the Dutch. <laughs> and I've said before, the Dutch is like fourth to ninth, fourth to eighth best riders would make a better team than most countries. But coming to London, we've got Marianne Vos. Annemiek van Vleuten, Luus Hunnewijk, and Ellen van Dijk. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And we've also heard Ash... I mean, Ash Moolman from South Africa, there was no doubt that Ash was going to come because yep. Ash has just been a fantastic rider. They've raced really well. But it's but the South African team is going to be Ash Moolman, uh, Joanna van der, Vink van der Winkel, and Robin de Groot. And that's a little bit more controversial, actually, because um, it does mean poor Cherise Taylor's left at home. But, you know, I don't know that much about South African cycling, except that they really like their women there. It's a shame. It's such a shame that riders get left at home because it's going to be a really exciting race. Um, I feel like I have to apologise to Jens, not that he's listening. Every time I say th things about the Olympics, <laughs> I <can> just... <laughs> Uh, but but the thing is, it's it, it is very important in this part of the sport, um, and it is also interesting because I think every every country, no matter, I mean, when the maximum number of riders you can have is four, someone's going to be pissed <laughs> off. Um, yeah, yeah. Do we know and much more about the the US team beyond? I, I know Evy has been getting some great press in the last week with interviews on NPR and. Um, NBC yeah. Olympics website has done a bit of a feature on her and stuff as well, which is cool. Eddie Stevens has already got her place because she's won a World Cup and, you know, she's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think it's about 10 days or something to the USA announce. I mean, they've basically got to have massive arguments. Every country's got to have massive arguments and look at results and stuff. So, you know, I just cross my fingers for everyone, really. Um, you know, no more accidents and 
everything being great. I mean, it's it's horrible, but it's great. Now, I had a question actually because um, I've heard that Animeers isn't just the Animeers track superstar. I mean, I'm a massive fan of Animeers. She didn't do particularly well at the last Olympics because she just broken her back. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> well, weird how a small thing like that can affect a, a sport like cycling, where you're sitting down all the time. Yeah, I mean, Anna Mir is just spectacular riding, really nice person as well, she seems, from, from the internet and stuff. But I've heard that she's not just the face of the Aussie track cycling team, but she's the face of the Aussie team for the whole Olympics. Is that true? Well, you're asking the wrong person. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I, I think I may have mentioned before that I, I'm pretty much in line with Jens on the Olympics. So, um, <laughs> I'm... I, 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 I am actually not at all ashamed to confess. I really don't know. <laughs> well, that's your homework for this week, okay? Your homework for this week is to find out about Anna Mears, okay? And you can come back in a week's time and tell me how brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I know Anna. I just don't know whether she's the face of the Australian Olympic team. And yeah. um, if you're going to make me research the Olympics, I might not do my homework. <laughs> I think I'd I think I'd rather sit in detention with um, you know, the cool kids from the Breakfast Club. <laughs> Which one would you be? Oh shit. Um Molly Ringwald. <laughs> nice answer. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean that's that's my roundup this week. We're so one race this week and then we get into two races the following week, Rabbi Stare and Trentino at the same time. And I'll tell you more about that next week because they're lovely races. Um they're all lovely races, but they're particularly nice races. And awesome. yeah. So it's 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 good times basically. It's it's all it's all good times. Exciting races, um lots of polemic are about to happen, I'm sure, with the Olympic teams and yeah, um, you know, exciting racing what more can you ask for not much uh just you know a bit more equality in the sport millions of dollars for <laughs> women's cycling a change in the structure of the relationship between the men's and women's <laughs> sides of the sport uh better deal from fucking airlines uh, yeah turns out turns out i've got a bit of a list <laughs> but well, we might probably... save that for later i will <laughs> promise um i may or may not research the olympics or accidentally read a headline and that know the answer to your question next week but either way, I promise I will come up with at least one more crazy idea. I'm looking forward to it. Well, uh, again, thank you for your company. Thank you, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.